And it's Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. Page 1618, Luke 12, 1 to 12. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge you before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Thanks, Karen. Good evening, everyone. Great to see you all here tonight. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open to page 1618 as we continue looking at Luke's Gospel. Uh, And please remember there will be a time for questions after the talk. Before we get stuck into God's Word, we please join me as I pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word that helps us understand you It helps us understand the perspective that you want us to have in life. Heavenly Father, please help me now to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that you'll give us receptive ears and soft hearts to hear what you're going to say to us tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Fear is an underrated emotion. At first glance, fear seems to be something that's not good to have. But there are times when fear is a good thing. It's appropriate and right that our kids are scared of wires sticking out of PowerPoints, cars on roads, uh, spiders with a red line on its back. That's when fear is healthy. But on the other hand... Fear can be misplaced. Uh, Approximately 15% of our world population have a fear of dead ancestors. 
There are people who sacrifice, pay homage, do all sorts of things to obtain favor from their ancient ancestors who've passed on. As they fear that if they don't, well, they'll be cursed. Now, the Bible tells us that there's, no, there's absolutely no basis for their, for their fear. Uh, personally, I don't give my ancestors a second thought. And they haven't done me any harm. There are things that we need to fear. And there are things that we don't need to fear. And as Christians, the thing we need to make sure is to know which is which. Because it's so easy to fear things where there is no basis. And we end up being driven or motivated to live a life that's not optimal. To live a life that's a shadow of the best that God wants us to be. And we'll actually see tonight that when we fear God properly, it actually liberates us to serve Him without fear. Uh, Tonight we're going to see three ways in how having the right fear of God will change us. And so we'll see firstly, uh, a fear of God will lead us not to becoming a hypocrite. Secondly, a fear of God will lead us to not be afraid. And finally, a fear of God will lead us to not being ashamed of Him. Uh, But first, let's see where we are in Luke's Gospel. Uh, We're in the travel narrative. As Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and as he makes his way to the cross, uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, they're growing in their hostility against him. And we saw that last week. And this sets the scene. As Jesus speaks directly to his disciples in this chapter, and warns them, not to become like the Pharisees in their hypocrisy. Jesus says at the end of verse 1, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is, is living the double life, where you're an actor with a face mask, to be one thing to the world and another thing inside. Now, I know that there's a degree in which there is a small H hypocrisy inside each one of us. Because our walk and talk will never perfectly align with our hearts. But what Jesus is talking about here is an unqualified desire to live a life where our inner life bears no resemblance to our outer life. And Jesus describes this hypocrisy of the Pharisees like yeast, where it can spread throughout the whole person. And for the Pharisees and for us, what keeps us pretending to do this thing is thinking that we can get away with it. But the cure for hypocrisy is exposure on that final day. Uh, Please have a read of verse 2 with me. Verse 2 says this, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. 
Now God knows everything about us. Every thought, every word, every imagination of our hearts. And because of that, we're to fear Him. Now we sometimes think that we have moments of privacy where no one knows what we do or knows what we think. But there'll come a time when God will reveal everything. Where God will go public on everything that's private in our lives. Now, if you're a Christian, you don't have to fear your sins uh, coming back to you to condemn you because Jesus has dealt with them already at the cross and, they can't, and your sins can't be brought up against you anymore. But for the person who's outside of Christ, there's a real sense that the exposure will be the thing that will condemn them. On Judgment Day, all the dirt will be brought out. And forget what the other people are thinking. Everything that's going to be brought out will be brought out in front of His presence. God will keep no secrets. There will be no cover-up. Now for us as Christians, even though we won't be condemned on that last day by what we do in private... Because we know that God sees things, there's still an accountability that we have to Him. And that means where to conduct our lives, like an open book where we have nothing to hide. As followers of Jesus, we're to be people of integrity, where we're not to have dirty laundry that we're trying to hide or a dark secret that we want to keep hidden. Because the truth of the matter is, we can't hide from God. And so if there is a secret that you're really trying hard to hide, I can encourage you, stop fooling yourself. And either come clean or stop doing it. Because God knows. And we're answerable to Him. Living honestly and open with God is what fearing God will look like and will end up not being hypocritical in the first place. Now that's the first thing. Now the second thing is Jesus tells us that to f- we're to fear God rather than people. Uh, please check out verse 4 and 5 with me. It says this. Verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Uh, And do you notice what Jesus is saying here? Death isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. Death by a long shot is not the worst thing that can happen to you. And Jesus is now instructing us what we really have to fear and what we are not to fear. And so what you have to fear is not the guy who's going to kill you or the cancer diagnosis. It's the one who has the right to send you to a place called hell. So the thing to fear is not losing the approval of your parents or the respect of your boss or the love of your friends. 
but who's the, the one who's on that day of judgment has the power to cast you into a place of utter darkness that's never ending. That's the one that we're to fear. Now I have to say this. It, it brings no joy to God to send people to hell. He desires all people to be saved. He, he takes no pleasure in the death of a sinner. I, I hope you all know that. But I also have to say, if you think there's only, there's only 10% chance that what I'm saying is true, even if it's only 10%, would you want to pursue it? Wouldn't you want to investigate the claims of Jesus because the consequences are so serious? Okay, so if you're here tonight and you want to find out more, please make sure you chat to myself or Peter M or write it down on the comment card. But if you're here and you have come to Jesus, then you don't have to be afraid of judgment. You're, to, you're still to fear God with awe and respect and obedience, but you're not going to fear Him by trepidation. Because you know that He's there for you. He's not against you. And that's actually liberating. Because now that the judge of all the earth has declared you right and declared you to be on his side, then the big questions in life have been solved, which will allow you to manage the small questions in life from a very different perspective. So we're to fear the Lord so that we don't have to fear anything else. But the reality is, we still battle with a bunch of different fears. You may fear death, or unemployment, or exams, or sickness, or being single for the rest of your life. You may fear that your children may be going a certain direction, or being harmed. Or you may fear your parents, and particularly getting that phone call that they may pass away. What is it that's driving you? It's good to name it and then putting it under the lens of Jesus' words here where he says, do not fear that. Just fear the one who can cast you into hell. But if you've come to him, well, you don't have to fear hell at all. And so I reckon it's actually a good exercise for us, maybe to do this week, to try to encapsulate what is it that you fear. Uh, for me, uh, one of my fears is that I'm worried about, about what people might think about me. I, I get scared about thinking what other people may be thinking, thinking that they're thinking, oh, I really thought Dow would have done better than this. That's a fear that can be a factor in driving in my life. And so can I encourage you to work out your sentence that captures your fear and surrender it to the fear of the Lord so that you can be set free from it. 
Because Jesus doesn't want to just liberate you from the fear of hell. No, he wants to liberate you now from your fears. And he wants you to know that he's with you every step of your journey. And that's why Jesus mentions that next bit in verse 6 regarding the sparrows. Now, sparrows, they're as cheap as chips. They're so cheap you don't find them in the pet store. And Jesus is making the point that nothing in our lives is too small for him to notice. And the thing is, people, us, are worth far more to him than sparrows because we're made in his very image and likeness. And we know how much God values us that he sacrificed his only only son on the cross to die for our sins. For him to do that, well, we have to be priceless in his eyes. And so knowing that God loves us and cares for us is actually a comfort to our fears. If his eye is on that sparrow, then we know for sure that he is watching us and that he'll be with us in times of trouble. He'll provide for our daily needs. He'll guide us in the future. He'll rescue us from our broken relationships. He'll heal the deep wounds in our hearts. And so, instead of holding back, instead of refusing to trust him, because we're scared that he's going to let us down. No, instead, we're to have the absolute confidence that God's always watching us and he'll care for us to the very end. And so having a proper fear of God means we won't be afraid of anything else. Uh, The third way that a proper fear of God can change us, is that it will enable us to go one step further from not being afraid. And the next step is to be bold and unashamed of Jesus. So, so the fear of God will mean not just what we do in our private lives, but to publicly align ourselves to Jesus. You see, being a Christian isn't a a private faith experience. It involves publicly declaring our faith in Jesus. In what we do, in what we say. So we're to work for Christ. We're to play for Christ. We're to witness for Christ in our daily lives. But the flip side of all this is... Failure to side with Jesus means he'll refuse to side with us on that day of judgment. Now that's a pretty strong statement. But, but then notice what Jesus says in verse 10. As he spells out how there are two different ways that you can disown him. Please read verse 10 with me. He says this. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. 
So you see the two ways? Uh, that first instance is speaking a word against the Son of Man. That's to speak against Jesus oh, without fully understanding who he is, what he's done. And the Apostle Peter is actually an example of this, where he denied Jesus three times. But he was forgiven three times. You see, this level of disowning Jesus is actually more like momentary lapses rather than permanent, outright rejection. Which is what blaspheming against the Holy Spirit actually is. Uh, But to further understand what blaspheming against the Holy Spirit actually is, it's important that we understand the Trinity with regards to the plan of salvation. So with the Father, He initiates the plan of salvation. The Son... He executes the plan of salvation, and the Holy Spirit applies the plan of salvation. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take you to Jesus. So the blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to resist the ministry of the Spirit of taking you to Jesus. In a sense, it's like intentionally blocking your ears. To his work in your life. Deliberately shutting him out. And not just doing that for a moment. But to do that all the way to the point of your death. So for those of you here who have heard the good news. Well, you've done that tonight. And if you keep on resisting the ministry of the Spirit. Of taking you to Jesus all the days of your life. Then please understand this. Without a shadow of a doubt, you will not be forgiven. I hope that's clear. Now, I'm going to say up front, I don't like saying that. But I have to say that. Because it's the truth. And I want to do the loving thing. So please, if you haven't done so already... Please consider taking the step to fear God, to stop blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and to surrender to Jesus. Now, having been given these chilling warnings regarding blasphemy against the Spirit, Jesus wants his followers to embrace the, the great positive fact that the Holy Spirit is their helper. Now, please read verses 11 and 12 with me. He says this. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. When Jesus told his disciples to be unafraid and unashamed, he didn't expect them to do it on their own. Jesus promises that if we're to speak a word of witness for him, He'll be there for us. And he'll give us the words to say through the Holy Spirit. But isn't that our fear? That we don't have the right words to say when when that opportunity comes? When we're called to give a word of witness. When God opens the door. At times, I have that fear. That I won't give the correct answer. That what I say will do more harm than good. 
that I might set back Christianity a thousand years, saying the dumb thing or the wrong thing at the wrong time. And there are times when I get asked the question and I don't know the answer. At times, I feel like a deer in headlights. Do you have that fear? And does that fear keep you silent? I'll be honest with you, uh, being up here in front of you all here tonight is something I actually don't get nervous about. But it's actually in those informal gatherings out there where I'm either in a small group uh, of people or with the one-on-one with a a family member or friend. Uh, There are times when I get scared sometimes where I've been silent when God has opened the doors. Now, the fact of the matter is, and personally, I've let too many opportunities slide by where I've closed the doors that I haven't, I shouldn't have. And so I'm reminded from this passage that I have to keep remembering who I actually need to fear and who I don't have to fear. And so from this passage, I feel the urge to go to prayer. And so, I actually want you, I want to invite you to join me. Or rather, for me to join you. That I have you pray for me, and that I pray for you, and that all of us pray for each other in all this. That when God opens those doors, that we don't close them. But that through God's strength, that we walk through those doors. And by God's spirit, that we speak a word of life about our glorious saviour. And in so doing, demonstrate that we're not ashamed about Jesus. Do you think that would be a good prayer to pray? Well, I think so. So how about we pray about that right now? Will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that it's through the Lord Jesus that we can be forgiven of our sin, that we can be rescued from hell. And we thank you that in your eyes we are priceless. Heavenly Father, we confess that at times we have other fears in our lives. The fear of death, or of sickness, or of rejection, or of failure, or in some cases, the fear of hell itself. Heavenly Father, we confess that we worry more about what people think than what you think. We ask for your forgiveness, for those many moments of silences, for those many moments of embarrassment, for those times when you've opened the door so clearly and where we have wimped out and closed the door to speak about you. Heavenly Father, please change us. Please empower us and help us to trust you via your Holy Spirit that you'll give us the words to say and the boldness to say them. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.